I want you to finish a sentence for me today. Uh, yes. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21. The tongue. Really? Death and life. I wonder, do you think that God said it that way for dramatic effect? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I mean, sure, you can say important things and powerful things, but do you think he really, do you think he was exaggerating maybe? Do you think those words were exaggerated for dramatic effect? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What do you think? Nobody wants to answer. Is this a trick question? Um, No, it's not a trick question. The whole Bible says something pretty much like that. All through the Bible. It, it says things like that. By your, Jesus said, by your words you'll be condemned, and by your words you'll be justified. By your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. Matthew 12, 37. In other places, it says things like this. A lying tongue crushes others. Wow. Crushes. Or a flattering tongue Brings about another person's ruin. That's, that sounds pretty extreme, don't you think? But a wise tongue heals. And of course, the third verse of the whole Bible shows, beginning from that point on for the rest of the chapter, shows God speaking creation into existence. Words. He spoke words and the universe was created. And In Hebrews 11.3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. By by the word of God, worlds, the whole universe, this vast thing, I don't even remember the numbers, however many, you know, whatever it is, like 48 trillion light years across or some infinite number like that, some crazy thing. And Hebrews 11.3 says, All things are upheld or sustained by the word of God's power. So, I don't think God was just exaggerating when he said, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We can speak death. We can speak life. We've been looking at the theme of oneness in among the people of God or the unity of the spirit we have as the church and that is a God-breathed thing it's something initiated by God something birthed by God it's not of human origin that there's a unity in the spirit we all share the same Holy Spirit God gives that oneness and he calls us to preserve it he says make every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And last week, we read the end of the book of Romans, the last chapter, which is Paul saying, oh, and I want you to say to Tryphena, well done, good job, to Tryphosa, thank you for doing that, to this person, you've been working hard, to that person. And he goes through this whole list of people, and he's, he's commending them for their hard work and service, their commitment and passion, 
and their Christ-like character. He goes through and he honors them. The takeaway from last week in that whole chapter was let's create, let's develop, let's have that same climate of honor. That same environment of honor where we're speaking favorably to one another, calling out the good things we see in one another. Just a moment ago, we stood here when Michael called me this morning and told me about what had just taken place. We talked a little bit, we prayed, and then, you know, he was going to be with his daughter and grandson. And then a little while later, he called me this afternoon and said, they're on their way to the Okanagan. They were going to go there. They're going to go there now because there's nothing more they can do here in town. And he said, so I'll probably be at church. And earlier in the day, we had been talking. And Rose said, oh, then Michael probably won't be there tonight, right? And I said, yeah, maybe not with Shalann and Mason. But I already know what Michael's like. And I said, however... Depending on how it is, I know he's going to run after God. He's not going to. It's, it's not going to be like, oh man, all this this bad thing and withdraw from God. It's like, no, I need him more now than ever, and that's that is a commendable thing, and it's worth calling forth things like that from one another. I see this gift in you, Geraldine. You love to cook for people and serve people in that way and to call it out and thanks for doing it. And there are so many gifts like that. There are so many, you know, variety of gifts. And let's, let's create a climate, an environment of honor where people know that, hey, I'm, I'm recognized there, not Not recognized as in, oh, I'm really something, but I'm recognized for being a person of value that's created in the image of God, given a place in this church family, in this community. I want that climate of honor. I want that kind of an environment of honor and encouragement where those kinds of things are spoken among us. Now, we're going to continue in that vein today, but I want to... Add a warning. Uh, I want to come at it from uh, a slightly darker avenue. Uh-oh. Here's where the other shoe. I want a, a climate, an environment of honor. However, you people, before we get there, I got a few things to say. No, I want to come at it with a warning about the power of the tongue. Because as... Uh, Proverbs 18.21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And I want to come at that. It's true in general, but it's especially and particularly true in the church family. And probably just about any of us, if we've been believers for any length of time, have seen both extremes the life-giving power of the tongue in the church and the destructive, death-producing power of the tongue in the church. Okay, Proverbs 11.9 says this. And we could have chosen any number of verses for this, but this one is a good sort of jumping-off point because it's kind of simple and strong, and I think it... It speaks to us clearly. With his mouth, the godless man or the godless person 
destroys his neighbor. Wow. That, you know, that's really kind of a, a strong thing. With his mouth, the godless man destroys his neighbor. De- destroys them? Really? Our speech about someone can bring destruction or ruin. Our speech to someone can do that. It's way too easy, isn't it? To, to speak a careless word. I was tired, I was hungry, and something happened, and, and I let it go. And once those words go out, you, you can't unsay them, unfortunately. Let me ask this. How many of you <laughs> have ever uh, spoken a word that you thought right away, oh, I should not have done that? Yeah, exactly. Everybody look around. You are surrounded by sinners. <laughs> but you knew that, right? You knew that. It's way, way too easy. I want to say, I have appreciated in almost 28 years of marital bliss. It, it, what was that? <laughs> in almost 28 years. This is, you know, Rose and I have had some conflicts. Of course. We've had some fights. A few of them were my fault. No, I'm kidding. We've had a lot of that kind of stuff. It just is natural. You're with somebody in all those, you know, weak, vulnerable moments and those things that you do things. We have not, for the most part, there's been a line where it's like we haven't said really irresponsible things. Like, now we're in a fight, so now I'm just going for the kill. It has nothing to do with the fight, but I'm going to now say something just to hurt because now you've made me mad. I, I want to honor Rose because she doesn't do that. And especially in the entire time we've been married, even when we've been <laughs> driving to church and things weren't ideal. <laughs> there were, yeah, there were a few of those times where we're driving and it's like I'm driving and I'm over against the door and she's against the other door and there's barbed wire in between us and it's got electric current running through it. Rose has, has always very graciously not delivered the blow that would kill me. Going to church, knowing that whether I was going to preach or do worship or whatever, to say something that now I'm going into a church service with this thing. Like already, there's a conflict. I know we're going to deal with it later, but she could have killed me by saying something that now I'm carrying that thing. (laughs) I remember Pastor Mel say to me one time, he said he had to do a big conference in the States. And he said 
it was going to be on television. It was a mega church like thousands. And he said, I had to go to this thing. And he said, it was at a point where he said, I didn't like my wife. I didn't like my kids. I didn't like anything about my life. And he said, but I stood on the platform and I thought, God, I am here to deliver the word and I'm going to do all that stuff, deal with it later. And that's not being fake. It's like, I'm called to deliver the word. I'm going to do that and I'll deal with that stuff later. And so we've had some Sunday afternoons where some some stuff had to get worked out. But I appreciate it. I very much appreciate it, sweetie. That she could have killed me by saying something on on a Sunday morning or now a Saturday night. And Saturday night's even different because there's all day to think about it, you know. You know that verse that says, don't let the sun go down on your anger? We've just always thought, that's right, let's just stay up and fight. (laughs) Not really, not really, I'm kidding. While we're on that, have you ever had this where you've had some kind of a disagreement or battle with your spouse? And so again, you're sleeping on opposite sides of the bed, but somewhere during the night, while you were sleeping... You're, you wake up and you're now cuddling? It's like, ah, wait a minute! <laughs> How did that happen? I was vulnerable while we were asleep and some... <laughs> I was out. Okay. Let me say, that last bit has absolutely nothing to do with the message. <laughs> like I had to tell you that. Okay. I just thought it's one of those, you know, kind of... Fun observations. Okay. A climate, an environment of honor. I blame you guys for getting me off track. Uh, we want to develop that. And there's, a, there's an element of saying, I'm going to speak responsibly. We were looking at Ephesians 4 a couple weeks ago. And again and again, it's a speaking the truth in love. Speak the truth, Yeah. Sometimes the truth is destructive. Boy, it's like, now I'm going to deliver the, the, the truth bomb and I'm going to destroy somebody with it. No. God sometimes, I know, puts the brakes on and says, that may be true, but you don't need to say that. You don't need to deliver that right now. That's the wrong thing to say, especially when you're doing it with hostile intent. I want to speak the truth just to hurt, just to, just to put that person in their place. Don't do it. You get those little nudges and you feel like, no, don't do it, don't do it. Let's listen. Let's do it. Let's listen to the Holy Spirit when, he's, when he says, no, it's too easy. It's easy to do that. It's easy to say that. You've been the recipient of a destructive word. Amen? Everybody in here. Nobody gets out of this life without some... some destructive word injury. Everybody gets some. Everybody's had some. No one gets out of this life without it. But I can say with certainty that you've been the destroyer at times too. Every one of us. Every one of us at some times, at some point, has been the one who's spoken that word of destruction. You know, how can, how could I say that about nice church folk? 
because I'm one of them. Uh, you know, somebody says, oh, I've never in my life gossiped. You've sure lied a lot. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know um, or I've, I've never in my life gossiped. However, I will confess that I have oftentimes shared an unnecessarily detailed and unflattering prayer need with people. <laughs> and, you know, with a lot of people that knew the sinner involved. I mean, the, the needy soul involved. There's something about that. It's easy, isn't it? It's attractive. Our flesh gravitates toward that kind of thing. We have all done it at some time, but I'm saying, Romans 6.13, don't put yourself at sin's disposal. Or another way it's worded, it says, don't yield your members to sin, to carry it out. Don't yield them. Don't put yourself at sin's disposal, but at God's uh, disposal, for God's purposes. Okay, this, the tongue has gotten all of us in trouble at different times. Now, a destructive mouth creates the antithesis of honor and encouragement and that kind of, uh, that kind of an environment. The, uh, uh, a destructive mouth, it's, it's so easy to do the destructive part. Now, Rose and I moved into our house about 17 years ago. And we moved in and had to do some renovation. And the easy part of renovation, and it's even kind of fun, is what? Demolition. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of fun. It doesn't take any particular skill. It's like, here's a hammer. Here's a, a bigger hammer. Here's a crowbar. Oh, good, demolition. It's kind of fun. It's like, I heard of a church in Surrey. This is a brilliant idea, where the pastor had a men's meeting, and what they did in the parking lot was they built something, and then they blew it up. (laughs) I thought, this guy understands. This guy gets it. Men love that kind of stuff. (laughs) Build it, and then blow it up, you know, or burn it or something. It's just something fun about that. Demolition is fun. It doesn't take skill. It's easy. I mean, there's some parts of it that aren't, but not as easy as construction. Destruction is pretty easy, and it's fun. Wrecking stuff. But in the church, demolition, destructive words, destroy lives. And they, a destructive mouth also can derail God's plans. But for, for a church, for individuals. There's a, a man who, I don't know if he's still teaching at Dallas Theological Seminary, Howard Hendricks. His son was teaching there too. Howard Hendricks said when he was in something like grade four or five, and he started the next school year, and he went into a class, and he said, you know, he, he acknowledged that he was just kind of a mischievous kid. He did a lot of stuff like that. But he said... Uh, he went into the class and uh, was, you know, he had to stay late a lot after school, did a lot of those kind of things. He said, the new teacher in this class, uh, a woman, she 
at the first day was, you know, doing the role, you know, and calling each kid out, present, here, all that kind of thing. When she got to him, she looked up and said, oh, Howard Hendricks. She said, I've heard a lot about you. And then, this changed his life. Then she said, and I don't believe a word of it. Yeah, and he said it changed his course. He was this mischievous kid. The guy, it, it transformed. It's like this woman didn't just look at me and say, I know something about you, and I'm, I've got you in this box now. I know how to think about you. And she said, I don't believe a word of it. Wow, man, what a, what a noble uh, profession. To, and, and that teacher, to see that, say that, and it changed that guy's and I don't know how many people Howard Hendricks has now influenced as a powerful teacher in a, in a, in a school of, uh, a renowned school. And so this kind of thing, we can do that, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. But life is, death also is. And it can derail the plans of God where somebody just never was secure enough to ever kind of step out and do because what did they hear? You'll never amount to anything. Oh, what a death-producing word. Not you. That's for somebody else to do. You could never do that. And lowering, lowering. And in a church, not just individuals, but a destructive mouth starts to go. We experienced it. Everybody probably has. Every church has experienced it probably on some level, greater or worse. But we had it where murmuring started. And, you know, by the time it... It gets, yeah, backbiting and slander and little whispers and subtlety. And it's like it comes around and before you know it, people are poisoned. People are damaged and the purposes of God are derailed. That whole thing goes off track and the purposes, the, the devil is always looking for a point of access to your life individually but also to our church. He's looking for a, an access point. It's like, like the predator, like the lion who sees that you know, herd of wildebeests. Which one does he go for? He doesn't go for the bull wildebeest in the middle of the, of the herd. That thing weighs three or four times as much as a male lion, let alone a female. And it'll, it'll, it's got hooves, it's got horns, and it knows how to use them. Those things, they do, what do they go for? They go for the straggler. They go for the one on the fringe and they take it out and they gang up. And they, the devil is looking to do the same thing with us. Looking for the straggler, the outlier in the community, the one on the fringes. And boy, he's looking for that access point. And if he can get one, he'll, he'll go after another one. He'll look for another one. They, he'll do that kind of thing. We can't give the enemy a point of access with our mouth. We can't do it. We will be in league with him. Now look again at, at Proverbs eleven nine. It says, with his mouth, the godless man or godless person destroys his neighbor. The person who destroys is called godless. So it damages the neighbor. It destroys the neighbor. But it's just as bad for the person whose tongue is getting used. They're called godless without God. That's a bad place to be. What a charge. I don't think we typically 
uh, place slander and backbiting and gossip in the same category as murder and adultery and things like that. But all of these things, along with, you know, divisive speech, discord, uh, strife, producing speech, all of that, it renders and reveals the, the perpetrator as a godless person. It can be a believer, but they're acting like a godless person. They're acting without God, apart from God, when they start doing that kind of thing, when we start doing that kind of thing. Let's make it personal. What's more serious than being a person without God? Nothing. That's death. Now, there are a couple lists in the New Testament, Romans 1, 29, 31, that speak about people who are unwilling to acknowledge God, and then it says, they are filled with wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, full of murder. And then the next thing, it goes on to say, they are gossips. What? Murder and gossip? We don't typically think, we think, oh, you know, I'm not a murderer, I just gossip a little. No, according to the word, it's pretty harsh. In Galatians 5, 19 to 21, just before the list of the fruit of the Spirit is this list of, these are the deeds or the, the things the flesh likes to do or works out. These are the deeds of the flesh. Immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. Go a little further. Discord, dissension, factions. Uh-oh, who wants to be on that list? It's like, no, witchcraft. We think, oh, it's witchcraft. Well, God puts stuff like gossip right with it and slander, those kinds of things. It's serious business. That's not stuff to fool around with, amen? It's awfully quiet in here. Let's look a little deeper just to emphasize the utter godlessness and power of a destructive tongue. James 3, 3 to 8 says this. Now, if we put the bits into the horses' mouths so that they may obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Behold, the ships also, though they are great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. It happens every year. Don't throw out that cigarette. It could be thousands of acres burned down by that little tiny fire. And the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Wow! For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Let's stop there for a second. The tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. Set among our members is that which defiles the entire body. It can defile us. 
which is exactly what Jesus said. He said, it's not what goes in to the mouth. You know, they're saying, oh, if you eat this, you're unclean. He said, no, I'll tell you what defiles you, what comes out of the mouth. What did he say came out of the mouth? Immorality, adultery, murder, all those things come out of our mouth. He said, that defiles you. That's the stuff that'll defile. So he, he speaks this in Matthew 15, 18, and 19. So he's saying that kind of thing. The, the tongue defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life. And here it is, and is set on fire by hell. That's really strong language. Your tongue is set on fire by hell when we yield it. The tongue is of hell? I mean, not, not sort of just, oh, he scared the hell out of me. Okay, we don't really mean hell. When we say that, this is speaking about hell. Hell fire. The, the place where it burns forever. But wait, there's more. The New Testament word, listen to this, that is translated. There's the, the New Testament written in Greek. There's a word three times in the English translation, it's translated malicious gossips. In 1 Timothy 3.3 and 3.11 and in Titus 2.3, it calls people malicious gossips. Okay, they're not just gossiping, oh, we heard some juicy news. It's malicious. That same word is the Greek word diabolos. Does that sound like a word you know? It, of course, sounds like the word Diablo, which is devil. The same word, a malicious gossip, is a Diablos. A Diablo, a devil. It is the same word. That's, an, that's not just coincidence. The connection here with that thing... The same word, three times malicious gossip, 34 times in the New Testament, it's translated devil. How many think gossip isn't a serious thing? It's serious. The connection to hellfire is not coincidence. It's speaking about the devil. The destructive tongue is a well, not, a tool, not just a tool, it's a weapon of the devil. The destructive tongue is a, is a weapon in the hands of the enemy. So, James 3, 8 to 10 says, But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. James, the brother of Jesus, writing this letter, says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. I don't think he was mamby-pambying. This guy grew up around Jesus. This guy came to believe in Jesus. He says, this is, this is serious stuff. This should not be blessing and cursing. It should not be. To bless is to speak well of, or to praise, to prize, or value, to confer favor upon. You know, in the Old Testament, when Isaac called 
uh, well, he didn't call him, he got deceived. But in this case, Jacob comes in and Isaac speaks a blessing over his son. He spoke the blessing. And even when Esau came and said, oh, don't you have a blessing for me? He said, I've already conferred it. I've already given that blessing to your brother, Jacob. He's, they, they took it very seriously. You got a blessing for me? Esau said, please speak a blessing over me. And he spoke one over him. And it, you know, he didn't speak a curse, but it was, it was certainly a muted blessing. It wasn't like what he gave his brother. But he spoke a blessing. There's something powerful. It came out of his mouth. Those words meant something. He conferred favor. He conferred life. Calling. He spoke it out. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We can speak powerfully to confer good and favor, or we can speak powerfully to destroy. We can honor, encourage, and edify with our mouth, or we can demolish and destroy. We can ruin. We're in an hour where the church is being scrutinized and vilified even in our culture. The church is being rejected by many and tested by God. I think he's testing. I think he's sifting. He's turning up the heat and he's purifying. Let's submit our speech to the Lord. Let's submit our tongues to be used, to be that we speak those right things, especially within the church. It's everywhere, but especially within the church, re- reflecting and revealing and representing Jesus accurately. Because how did he speak? We heard that last week at Pastor Mel's memorial. A few people got up and said one of the things they admired about Pastor Mel was that he blessed. He met people and he wanted to to speak blessing so that even sometimes when he was in a setting where they were somebody was being ordained and he was called to ordain them and to speak that blessing he said sometimes he was aware of things that were a challenge and he but he would bless people not not in a deceitful way he'd bless people publicly but a few times there was one thing we heard where he and and I know he did this on more than one occasion where he knelt down and he whispered in their ear and he said you and I know what's taking place in your life and we need to talk tomorrow publicly he blessed them and he dealt with it the things that were of that some negative thing he dealt with in private. He didn't just destroy somebody because something was true. He met with someone, and because of his graciousness, he, it, people came to repentance and didn't just sort of dig their heels in and know. Because the, the beautiful love of God, that God would do that. I know what's going on in, in this situation, but I want to protect you. You're worth, you're worth being restored not just and so he would speak blessing and then speak alone with somebody so that it wasn't a destructive word of reprimand and there's a place to speak a, a clear stern word but there's a lot of place to speak blessing and confer favor. And I want to be a church of honor and encouragement. I want that here. And I want ours to be a church of blessing where people are spoken favorably over, 
all the time, contributing to a climate of unity and honor, developing and cultivating an environment of unity and blessing that is befitting the blessed people of God, okay? So tonight, if you've listened to this and you think, I've been careless with my tongue. Uh, We've already seen everybody raise their hand when I asked. Uh, Some people put up both. Uh, There's... If you're here and you think, I've been careless with my tongue, or even if you realize, I've not just been careless, I've been merciless or cruel. I've been abusive with my tongue. Maybe you're able to even see that or say that. Or guilty of gossip or slander, and you know it. Don't just sink into despair and give up. Why? We don't have to. There's, it's not over. The story's not finished. There's still time to turn. And you better turn. If that's you, if, there's, if it's like that, turn. Let's repent of it. Let's leave it with Jesus and go on unburdened. All that stuff. 